Welcome to the Patient Safety Podcast, brought to you with the support of W21C in the Cummings School of Medicine at the University of Calgary. I'm Nishan Sharma, Education Lead at W21C and host of this series. This is the second of a pair of episodes focusing on chronic kidney disease and features my conversation with Craig Curtis, a clinical pharmacist working for Alberta Health Services in Calgary in the areas of nephrology and solid organ transplant. Craig is here to talk about safe drug practices when it comes to chronic kidney disease, or CKD. Craig talks about the prevalence of chronic kidney disease and how CKD can be worsened by other common diseases, such as diabetes and hypertension, and how it is linked with cardiovascular disease. He concludes by discussing some of the drugs that worsen kidney disease and provides some tips on how to avoid incorrect drug dosing. Here now is my conversation with Craig. Craig, before we start, maybe if you could briefly describe the role of a pharmacist in Alberta? So the role of a pharmacist, especially in a community setting, is changing a little bit in Alberta. Pharmacists are given more responsibility they are able to access and actually order lab tests, and some pharmacists are authorized to prescribe medications independently, provided there is some communication back to physicians. And this is fairly unique as far as Canada is concerned? It's starting to be embraced in other provinces as well. One of the issues, sort of Canada-wide, is access to family physicians isn't always easy for patients. So having another person working as part of that team really helps out. So can you tell me a little bit about the role that you or pharmacists have played in the development of the CKD pathway? One of the important parts in the development of the CKD pathway, we wanted it to be evidence-based. There's lots of guidelines surrounding the use of medications in patients who have chronic kidney disease. However, those recommendations aren't always implemented as well as, as could be. So the CKD pathway is really based on these guidelines, the Cadigo guidelines, Canadian hypertension guidelines, lipid guidelines. So evidence from all of those guidelines are included, used as a basis for the CKD pathway. Can you just tell us what Cadigo is? Cadigo is the Kidney Disease Improving Global Outcomes Guidelines. This is an international set of guidelines. Perfect. Can you tell us a little bit about the prevalence of CKD? In Canada, about uh, 1 in 10 adults is actually affected by chronic kidney disease. Two of the most common causes are hypertension and diabetes. As we know, these are very prevalent in the adult population. So both of these diseases cause damage to the kidneys over time. As well, over the age of 40, we tend to lose about 1-2% to of our kidney function every year, just as a part of normal aging. The good news is we don't need 100% of our kidney function to survive. In reality, we can survive with less than 10%. So in a sense, we have some reserve capacity. However, once kidney function is lost, once there's damage to the kidneys, usually this change is permanent and you don't recover that kidney function again. So we do have lots of reserve kidney function. However, it is important to take steps to prevent that loss. So diabetes and hypertension can increase the loss of kidney function by up to 5% per year. So that's more than what you would expect just as a part of normal aging. Prevention and slowing the progression of CKD is really important. 
Can you tell us a little about prevention and of the progression of CKD? In order to prevent the progression of CKD, it's important to meet certain targets. High blood pressure plays an important role. Targeting a blood pressure less than 140 over 90 for most patients, and perhaps even less than that, 130 over 80 for patients who have diabetes. Also, controlling blood sugars, targeting an A1C less than 7. One finding that uh, many patients who have CKD present with is actually having a lot of protein in the urine. So everybody has a little bit of protein in the urine. This is actually what makes it a little bit frothy. And this is actually known as proteinuria. Having small amounts in your urine is normal, but high amounts of protein actually predicts that you're going to be at higher risk of dying as well that you would require dialysis at some point. It's a very good predictor of a higher rate of cardiovascular disease, kidney failure, and even death. So this is something that's kind of surprising that wasn't really well known before. In terms of medications that we can use to reduce the risk, the main Medications we use are ACE inhibitors or the angiotensin II receptor blockers. So they're used to reduce the amount of protein in the urine. So they are recommended for any patient who has high levels of proteinuria and also all diabetic patients because they are at such high risk. There is always a concern with ACE inhibitors and ARBs using them in patients who have lower kidney function. They can be used safely for any patient at any level of kidney function and shouldn't really be intentionally avoided. Can you explain ARBs? ARBs are the angiotensin II receptor blockers. One of the issues with using ACE inhibitors and the angiotensin II receptor blockers is that they can cause a little bit of reversible kidney dysfunction or reduction in kidney function, and they can also cause an increase in potassium levels up to 0.5 millimoles per liter. This may not be that significant in most patients, but with patients who have CKD, they tend to have higher levels of potassium anyways, so this can bump them up into sort of the more hazardous area or higher levels anyways. I should also mention too that when you're using ACE inhibitors or angiotensin II receptor blockers, it is important to do some monitoring. So within two weeks, checking the kidney function and also checking the potassium about two weeks after starting or after any dose changes. A lot of this information can actually be found on the CKD pathway and there's lots of detailed information there about managing potassium as well. So CKD is known to be an independent risk factor for vascular disease, so that's heart attack and stroke. It could be as important of a risk factor as diabetes. This is a surprising new development. Interestingly, the primary cause of death in patients who have chronic kidney disease is not actually their kidney failing. It's actually that they have higher rates of heart attacks and strokes. Some of this could maybe be explained by the patients having hypertension or diabetes, also well-known risk factors for cardiovascular disease, but it doesn't account for all of the excess risk that we see in this particular population. Using statins in patients who have CKD can reduce the risk of vascular disease. The current international Cadigo guidelines do suggest using a treat-and-forget approach, so using the dose of a statin that's proven to be safe, at the same time minimizing the risk of side effects. So this is a little bit different approach than what we see in guidelines for other populations. The higher doses of statins are used in certain situations in a normal population. But if we use those same doses in a patient who has chronic kidney disease, they are at higher risk of experiencing side effects. So it is an important patient safety issue. 
I would just mention that the recommended doses are listed on the CKD Pathway website, and these are supported by the international guidelines. Once on a statin, the routine monitoring of cholesterol or treating to a target LDL isn't generally recommended, or this approach hasn't proven to reduce the risk of heart attacks and strokes in this particular population. While patients who have CKD are at a higher risk of heart attack and stroke, antiplatelet agents such as aspirin or clopidogrel are usually only recommended in patients who have established cardiovascular disease already. So this means that Patients who have a heart attack or stroke should be on one of these medications, or just because a patient has CKD doesn't mean that they should be on aspirin unless they have another risk factor. The pathway talks about renal dose adjustments. Can you tell me and maybe some physicians a little bit more about it and maybe how it relates to patient safety? This is probably one of the biggest areas where pharmacists can have an impact. Despite all the availability of drug dosing, renal drug dosing information, inappropriate dosing occurs very frequently and is a preventable adverse effect. So a common situation where we see inappropriate dosing of a medication would be a patient who has shingles. They go to their family doctor and there is a standard regimen of Valtrex that's commonly used, an antiviral. However, if the physician does not recognize that the patient has chronic kidney disease, the patient can be prescribed a dose that is too high and Valtrex is known to actually cause worsening of kidney function in particular cases. So this is certainly a very real patient safety issue. Some medications require renal dose adjustments, especially when the kidney function falls below 30 mils per minute. This isn't the same for every medication. A frequent question that I do get is, do I use the lab-reported estimated GFR or do I calculate it? Traditionally, all the drug dosing information uses the Krokoff-Galt equation to calculate an estimated kidney function or GFR. In reality, the numbers that are reported by the labs in Alberta report kidney function using the CKD epi equation. So the important thing to remember is that these are only estimations. They're not the true kidney function. So the reason why the lab uses this CKD epi is that it's more based on a broader population, so it applies to more people. It may be a little bit more precise, especially when the GFR is a little bit higher. Even though the drug dosing recommendations are based on the Krokoff-Galt, many times the results of these two equations are very similar, so within a few mils per minute. The difference in the calculated value can be different when you're assessing patients who are either at the extreme of a population, so either they're very, very small or very, very large. This can lead to an over or underestimation of what their kidney function actually is. The results of these values calculated from these equations are really estimations, so it's important to keep that in mind. However, I think there's a more important question we should be asking, and it relates more to the drug itself. I think it's important to take a step back and rationally assess each medication. Important things to consider include looking at the properties of the drug in question, also thinking about how much of the drug is eliminated by the kidney, are there other compensating elimination pathways, what is the drug being used for, how long is it being used for, what are the consequences of dosing the drug a little bit too high or using a dose that's a little bit too low, and which is more important in that particular case. I think all these things need to be considered in order to make sure that the dose that's selected is appropriate for 
for that patient. So going back to that original question that you get from physicians asking whether they should use their own calculated values. Most nephrologists use the reported value from the lab. Again, the difference is within a few mils per minute, although the recommendations will recommend changing the dose at a certain level, but it may be very, very close. There can be patients who their calculated value may be above where you would adjust it, and for the same patient using a different calculation can be below. So what do you do in those cases? Say one, a drug should be adjusted at a GFR of 30. What if their GFR is 32? What if the other equation says it's 28? So which one do you believe? And this is where the other characteristics of the drug come in to be important. There is some drug dosing information included on the CKD pathway, so certainly another resource. There are many places to find this drug dosing information, but it has some of the most common drugs that uh, would be seen in general practice. Speaking of drugs, can you tell me more about some medications that may worsen kidney function? Some of the most common medications that can worsen kidney function include anti-inflammatories, things like ibuprofen or naproxen, contrast media, chemotherapy agents, some drugs of abuse, and even some combinations of medications, such as using an anti-inflammatory, an ACE inhibitor, and a diuretic all at the same time. The CKD pathway has a list of some of the potential medications that can worsen kidney function or cause damage to the kidney function. Also includes some information on how that injury occurs. When presented with a situation where a patient is prescribed one of these medications, it does require individual assessment and taking risk versus benefit approach usually is the most helpful. Most episodes of drug-induced nephropathy or kidney damage are reversible provided that it's recognized early and the offending medication is stopped. Some of the general measures to be considered would include switching to an alternative medication that isn't associated with worsening kidney function, correcting other risk factors, such as a person who is dehydrated, also assessing baseline kidney function before starting one of these drugs so you know if there was a change and that you can correlate the timing or else adjusting the dose of medications, certainly avoiding combinations that we know are at a higher risk is important. It can certainly be very tricky balancing the risk of kidney damage or worsen the risk of worsening kidney function versus the therapeutic usefulness of a particular drug. A good example would be a patient who has chronic kidney disease but also has rheumatoid arthritis. One of the main treatments that we use are anti-inflammatories because they work very, very well. However, if this is causing worsening of the kidney function, we may need to consider alternatives such as acetaminophen, which may not work as well, could consider opioids, but these aren't really great options compared to anti-inflammatories. So are there other resources on the pathway that you would recommend that uh, a healthcare provider looks at? Yeah, there's resources that are applicable to many healthcare providers, pharmacists, or family physicians. The CKD clinical pathway links to information on prognosis, classification of CKD, some recommended testing. It also includes a Framingham risk calculator, includes information on how to manage 
high potassium levels. It also provides links to all the clinical practice guidelines that were used to create the CKD pathway. In Alberta, pharmacists have a wide scope of practice and do play a very important role in the healthcare team, especially in their role in enhancing patient safety. Using tools such as the CKD clinical pathway can assist pharmacists to implement evidence-based guidelines into their daily practice. The take-home points in managing medications in patients who have CKD include preventing progression, reducing cardiovascular risk, renal dose adjustments, and avoiding medications that can worsen kidney function. That was Craig Curtis talking about pharmacy and chronic kidney disease. You heard Craig reference some resources during our conversation. You can find links to these resources on our website, www.patientsafetypodcast.com. Remember, you can also listen to all of our episodes from there or from w21c.org, or you can subscribe to the series for free from iTunes. Also, don't forget to tell us what you think. We want to hear from you, so email your feedback, comments, or suggestions for our series to w21cedu at ucalgary.ca. Thanks for listening.